Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is Mike, Tom, and Jim, and we are one more than two. We are three Sweet Me Bro. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's been a few weeks. Uh, We have a ton to cover today. Uh, We're, instead of going to break it into several news clips, we're going to break it down by actually organization. There's a lot to talk about with AEW, uh, a lot to talk about with Impact. Uh, There's a shit ton to talk about with the WWE, which I personally can't wait for. Um, And then, of course, we're going to kind of cover the Indies, New Japan, Ring of Honor, AAA, and this and that between. Uh, Gents, we got a lot to cover today, uh, but it's going to be a good show, baby. So let's get into some clickbait. Kind of touch on some stuff that's happening. It just seems like news just keeps happening and happening and where it's been like, what? To like, oh, God, no. Like, to like, oh, shit. Man, God damn, there is a lot to talk about, uh, gents. Um, so we'll just start right at the top of the list, AEW. Um, man, he just, it just, it's pretty evident at this point that the Chicago show um, Punk's going to be there. Um, it, it is probably the worst kept secret, um, which I'm super excited for personally, but he's been, he's suddenly has been making the rounds. Um, uh, raw and impact both had Chicago dates this week. Um, and, uh, <laughs> he did go to a raw at all state from my understanding. And then, uh, was politely asked to leave. Um, <laughs> and then impact had some, some shows and he showed up there to kind of say hi to friends. And then, uh, this what um, I would say that probably the bigger news of, of, of punk is um, they had a meeting. Um, so they had a sit down um, and apparently everything that I've I've read and heard about is is basically it went well. Um, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts? Like, what do you think about him showing up all of a sudden? Not all of a sudden, but just like, wow, we're starting to see a lot more of him. He's kind of coming out. He's not really injured anymore, but he's not really saying anything. And then this big him and Jericho. Um, you know, have this sit down. Um, and I know Jim and, uh, you know, maybe you'll get into this is that, um, there was also some news tweeted out about, um, Jericho's kind of new role, I guess, or his role in light of this CM Punk drama. Uh, so gents, we'll take it away, Jim. I just will throw it to you since I dropped that. Like what were your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, as far as, as Punk going to, uh, raw and going to impact not surprising it's i mean this isn't a new thing in the industry guys going to see their friends backstage when they're in town for a show very common occurrence it's just the punk being punk it, it becomes a bigger story right you know it's some people have, have speculated that it's him trying to gin up press and gin up kind of excitement about his return i think it's just the guy wanting to go see some old friends of his and again that's not an uncommon thing you you, you hear about it pretty frequently actually within the, within the industry uh in regards to his his meeting with with ftr and jericho uh you know what you were alluding to to mike is you know i i sent this to you guys a tweet that suggested that jericho is kind of tony khan's right hand man his most trusted confidant at this moment and jericho is is being kind of seen as a mediator between punk and the aew locker room uh, and I can't count the number of ways that's a horrible fucking idea. Uh, Chris Jericho is unabashedly out for himself as evidenced by his booking, as evidenced by the way that he handles himself. He, he is, he's Hogan part two. 
he is absolutely fucking Hulk Hogan reincarnate in terms of politicking for himself and letting everybody else get fucked on the way out. So I, I don't think it's a good idea whatsoever. I think, yes, Jericho has a good relationship with the Bucks. Jericho has a good relationship with Omega. But there's so does Daniel Bryan or so does Brian Danielson. Right. So does so does John Moxley. There's lots of other people you could use in this role. Jericho has such motivated interests and such motivated reasoning when it comes to this stuff that I, I just I, I think he's the worst person you could possibly put your trust into in this situation. Uh, I agree. I think all signs are pointing to Punk coming back at that Chicago show, uh, otherwise known as the night that Mike, Tom and Jim permanently lose their voice. Uh, <laughs> if you watch the show, which you should obviously watch the show, you will undoubtedly hear a grown man shrieking like an eight year old girl. <laughs> That's me. That'll be me. Uh, my voice carries in a large room. So uh, I have no problem with that. But I'm looking forward to the return of punk. I just really hope that Jericho doesn't fuck this up like he's fucked up so many other aspects of AEW already. Jim and I said, we were talking about months ago, Mike, that uh, I, I believe I proposed a question to you guys like when we first started. By the way, happy 20th episode, guys. Woo! Oh, uh, yeah. About- we can almost drink now. <laughs> Yay! Oh, oh man, oh. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this water I'm drinking. Um, no, I, I post you guys. I was like the writing was on the wall when it first happened. I think Jim and I were were like the first to see it. Uh, uh, Jericho becoming Hogan, and it, the comparisons between Hogan buddying up to Bischoff, and now Jericho versus Khan, or not versus Khan, Jericho and Khan. Um, it's just man, it's it's a real. I, I think it's a really dicey situation and I hope punk comes out on top, but I did tell you guys that I really do think he's going to lose. I think he's going to lose because there's a lot of rumors that um, punk is going to come back and feud with Jericho and as like a kind of like a receipt for all of his bad behavior at the brawl out, I think he's going to lose to Jericho, which I think is incredibly fucking stupid. Um, I just, I, I really, ah, man, I just really wish Jericho would just go off of TV, just get off my television set, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. And that's super, super unfortunate. And and the whole thing with raw, Jim, I, I'm surprised you didn't, you didn't mention that. Uh, I guess he was, uh, there's big rumors that he was trying to squash beef that he had with the Miz, um, which is yeah. real interesting. I mean, that's why like, I guess he met with Triple H and it would, that's when Triple H was like, Hey, get, you, you got to go McMahon saying you can't be here. So do you, I mean, do you think that was a, a good idea to squash the beef with Miz or? or sure. Or well, I mean, as, as just an adult, I think it is. <laughs> I think it's so a good idea to not carry grudges. Well, grudges as long as you can, Jim. <laughs> what, what was the beef for me? What was the beef with the Miz? Remind me that's I'm a little, so, when when FS1 had their uh, post Raw show, right? They had their their WWE show, and they brought Punk into host. Uh, you know the the first night that Punk came out, you know he made some comment about you know like changing the game, right? We're gonna change the game or blah blah something like that, right? Yeah. And one week, Miz was like guest hosting or something, and made a joke about it. You know, like oh, I guess it doesn't change the game enough for you guys, you know. And Punk tweeted out, go suck a blood-covered dick in Saudi Arabia for money, you fucking loser. And oddly enough, Miz got upset by that. I don't know 
he's a very sensitive young man. Uh, and so that, that was kind of the origins yeah. of the, their beef. Oh, wow. And, and it dates back to when he was, I think in the best of the world documentary, he was like, why on earth is the Miz headlining WrestleMania when I'm literally better than everybody on this roster? So there's, <laughs> there's been some bad blood between the two for, for a while now. Well, yeah, and the the reports that I read said that he, you know, showed up to talk to people. He did talk to the Miz, from what I had read. Uh, he had a cordial conversation with Triple H, in in fact, and asked, you know, is it okay if I'm here? And Triple H said, well, let me check. And when Vince came back with word and, and left without incident, he didn't make a scene. He said, okay, no problem. I'll, I'll take off. But, you know, there's there's video that's out there of him in the parking lot talking to Tamina. Um, you know, so again, by, by all accounts, we weren't there, obviously, but by all accounts, it, you know, it was just him going to talk to people because they were in his town. You know, they were in Chicago. To go back to your point too, Tom, about this Jericho turning into Hogan more and more, it's just, it's, <sighs> do not understand it. Um, and it, it's, I, I, I don't know if this is going to come up before, uh, you know, but it's the, I just don't understand what he's doing with Adam Cole. And I, I, I it's not needed and it's, yeah, that's where I think it seems to me the most evident of this, you know, Jericho kind of becoming the next Hogan and whatnot is, you know, you've got probably what is one of your biggest assets right now? I, two of them with Britt and, and, and Adam Cole, uh, Britt Baker, uh, you know, his girlfriend. And it's just why Jericho, why does it have to be Jericho? I just do not understand it. And it's that to me seems where it's like, and I, like, what more can you offer? Like what, you know, it's, it's, I know we've brought it up on the podcast before where it's, I think all of us have agreed that, you know, he definitely still has a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. I think it like in a commissioner role, like, sure. You know, like, yeah, you're a big enough prick where I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to see this, you know, tune in. I'm still that, you know, I guess call me gullible of a wrestling fan where I'm like, I'll tune in to see where this goes and whatnot, just to see where, you know, uh, if Jericho ends up getting this or whatever, but it's just this, taking so much time away. I think that's the theme that we've always talked about with him is that there could be so many, so many other, not, I think Jim, you kind of alluded to it, guys that have been in the business, but not quite at Jericho's that that still have that kind of veteran status that, you know, deserve that kind of elevation status while also Mm -hmm. still putting over the young talent, you know? And in this case, it's just still trying to make sure he's relevant and that's just, and it just, Mm -hmm. it's, it's so evident now and it just kind of bums me out. So, yeah, because he surrounds know. himself with younger talent, right? The, he, he had the, you know, there's the Jericho Appreciation Society. And before that, you know, you had the fucking whatever it was called. Uh, you know, he, he surrounds himself with younger talent, but it's always to elevate himself, right? It, you know, nobody's, nobody's getting over by being in a group with Jericho. Right. Jericho's using them to get himself over like Sammy Guevara is really Sammy Guevara, Daniel Garcia are really the only two who have been in a Jericho faction and 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 done well. But they did well, not because they were in a Jericho faction. Right. Everything they do in the faction is to boost Jericho. And then they do their own thing on the side and just happen to be a part of Jericho faction. So, yeah, he he's just I, I you know, I, I wouldn't. 
I like the idea of having a commissioner in AEW. The more I think about it, the more I dislike the idea of Jericho being on there for the same reason. It'll just take away TV time. I think Jericho is a coach role, right? You know, Dean Malenko's coaching. Dean Malenko could teach you everything you ever need to know, you know, about professional wrestling from a performance standpoint. Jericho can teach you everything you need to know from an entertainment, from a character development standpoint. Yeah, Put him there, right? He doesn't ever need to be on fucking TV again. He just doesn't. I honestly think one of the best worst situations that Jericho did was the Omega, uh, the Omega fight at New Japan, where it was great and it was amazing, and it just needed to stop there. But Jericho was like, "Huh, I can make this work, and I'm going to, no matter what anybody says." And that's when he was fighting Naito, and he won the the IC belt, which I thought was pretty stupid, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and that's where I, I feel like that's where like that whole like I'm going to put myself ahead of everybody kind of was born was everyone's like, oh, shit, it's Chris Jericho, one of the best wrestlers in the world versus one of the other best wrestlers in the world. And then it just like skyrocketed and and just spiraled out of control. And it's like, man, that was a great match and it was wonderful. But, well, what have you guys birthed? What's also confusing, um, Tom, maybe you can shed some light on this because I. I feel like you always have something to say about the TNT title, but what on God's earth are they doing with the TNT title? Can you shed some light on what's going on? And like, what is your, I guess, honestly, the biggest question that I have is, and maybe the most important is why are they burning through like reigns so fast? It's like, I really thought powerhouse Hobbs was going to have it for a while. And I was like, awesome. And then he gets squashed by word. And I'm like, yeah. That what is what is ha- like? Are they? Is this just a quick to introduce these guys and get them into a bigger storyline? I know, I know, we didn't touch on this, but um, not to go back to Punk, but one of the bigger reasons for Punk coming back is the Saturday show. I think it's all been just but confirmed, Jim. I know you touched on this several times. Is that they're going to do a new Saturday show, and hence this Jericho um, Punk thing is supposed to kind of kick it off and whatnot. Supposedly, that's why they sat down. You know, but is it is now Hobbs going to go more to the Saturday show? But I, I I don't know. And it just it's I'm not sure what the hell they're doing with this title. Um, It, it seems like it's almost just lost at this point. So, Tom, your thoughts, you know, you, know, well, again, you, you seemingly follow the TNT title. Well, to give to give Jim credit, honestly, uh, it was it, me and him have both been like, what in the hell are you doing? Um it's, I don't know. It's, it's really concerning, man. I honestly don't know the point of that title anymore. And, and if anything, if you want to compare AEW to WWE, it's the TNT title where they're just like burning through, you know, title reigns, it's flip or flop. And I, I really wish they could get somebody in that role to hold the belt longer. But at the, at, I guess at this point, it's gotten to be an irrelevant title and either they need to figure it out real quick or they just need to get rid of it altogether because, uh, the Atlantic title, what is it called? Mm-hmm. The one that, uh, international inter- title. Yeah, the, international. the one that Cassidy holds, um, that that's perfect. That's great booking. And I think that's what they were trying to do. I think they were trying to do like a TV title, but, but still, even a TV title should be held longer than like two weeks. Um, when it comes down to it, I honestly think, and, and Jim, you can comment on this too, because I, I, maybe we both agree. I just don't think they know what the fuck to do with Wardlow. And they're trying 
every angle they possibly could with him. Now they're putting him with Arn Anderson. It's just like, what? Why? This, okay. And then they, they tried to make him a monster and it didn't work. And it's, it, it's, it's a shame because Wardlow's a phenomenal talent, but I, I, again, it's like, who's calling the shots and who's booking that because it's, it's, it's bad booking is what it is. I think you're absolutely right, Mike. I think Hobbs should have had a, a insane terror with that, but here we are. And, and I'm sure Wardlow's going to lose it in two weeks. So Jim, what, what do you think, man? Yeah. It's when they first introduced the TNT title, I was like, Oh, this is their version of the IC title, right? This yeah. is the intercontinental title. And now it's more like the European title, right? It, it's just, it's, it's just, <laughs> they don't fucking care at all. And I mean, think about it this way, you know, t- the TNT title and versus the TBS title, right? The TBS title has only had one winner has only had one champion yep. and they're creating a monster with a TBS title. Why in the fuck couldn't you let Wardlow or a, even better Hobbs be that monster and give it the prestige that it had. Remember when Cody Rhodes and Brody Lee were fighting for that title, it seemed important. Now it seems like a complete afterthought, right? It, it is just so ignored put some story into it, put some investment into it. Yeah. Have a writer focusing on that particular titles arc and, and prestige so that it's more than just an accessory. It's more than just a thing that's there. Um, you know, you go right from, from Hobbs having this very short run loses to Wardlow and then immediately Luchasaurus is suddenly <laughs> contending. Like how, <laughs> If you're going to have if you're going to have Wardlow take it off a of Hobbs that quickly, give them a feud. Let them go. Let them trade it back and forth for yeah. a while, because I think Wardlow and Hobbs could have some banger fucking matches because those are those are big dudes who can move. Yeah. And you've already moved on. You've already fucking moved on from Hobbs. And it's 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 a shame. It's a real shame because that belt could have a lot of prestige with the history it already has. And yeah, they've, they've lost the plot. They've just completely yeah. lost the plot of what that belt's supposed to be. So what I was going to bring up next, and this is actually something um, I, I think Tom, you had just sent me um, or I didn't, I really didn't pay much attention to it. Um, I busy week and whatnot, but um, apparently Dex Harwood is ending uh, his podcast. Uh, due to some really bogus shit, um, really awful shit, it sounds like. So, um, I don't know which one of you guys would, you know, um, you know, who knows more about this, but I really don't know much about this. So I will turn it over to, to one of you fine gents to, to, to fill in the details. Mike, what are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a messed up situation, dude. Um, you know, the, the last podcast that we talked on was about Jim Cornette being a complete piece of garbage and trolling people on the internet. And uh, Dax Harwood, actually, which is a great podcast. I, I love listening to it. I think he has a, a phenomenal mind for the business. And he's ending it because, shocking, people were sending him death threats. And um, I believe... We're saying like they were going to like kill his daughter or something like that. Um, some pretty, pretty vile, awful stuff. And, and Dax being, you know, the great guy that he is, he's like, this isn't worth it. Fuck it. I'm ending this because my family safety and my daughter are more important than, you know, um, 
a bunch of grown ass men bitching about the fact that I'm friends with CM Punk. Um, and that, that's what it boiled down to. I guess, uh, you have, um, kind of like, you know, Jim talks about tribalism. There's this tribalism in AEW now with either you're an elite guy or you're a punk guy and punk guys are with FTR and it's guys, it's, it's fucking wrestling. Chill out. Like, what are you getting that worked up for? And so he's ending his podcast, unfortunately, because he's being bullied and it, it's a damn shame. Um, you know, Jim and I both have daughters and if anybody would ever even, you know, say even something remotely like, just a smidgen about our daughters. I'd kill them uh, Blood in the streets. There would be blood oh, in yeah. the streets. No doubt. I, I always think of uh, the town uh, when Ben Affleck talks to Jeremy Renner and I'd, I'd call you guys up and I'd say, Hey, we're going to do some bad things. Uh, no questions asked. And I, I guarantee you guys would be like, whose car are we taking? Let's do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, Dax may be uh, obviously better guy than, than, than me and Jim and, and Mike, but I think it's, it, uh, I just wish this shit would stop like enough's enough. Like it's wrestling. Like guys, mm-hmm. we know this is fake. This is, this isn't the, you know, storylines are fake. This is, this is not a real thing except for, you know what they do in the ring. Like respect the art and, and love the art. Don't shit on it because some guy has an opinion about some other guy. It, it's ridiculous. And I just wish, you know, unfortunately it's, it's guys like Jim Cornette that fuel that fire. And, mm-hmm. and it, there's tons. I mean, I had, I had, a couple of dudes who were like, Oh man, I love Jim Cornette. And I'm like, really? Like the, the dude's a horrible human being. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, cool. He's, he had a great mind for the business in the eighties and that's about it. Um, so yeah, Jim, I mean, other than wanting to kill these pieces of shit, <laughs> we're talking trash about his daughter. Like, what do you think, man? Well, as, as I say, I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is why we can't have nice things. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. The, the toxic fucking culture that exists in both the combination of the wrestling community and the online culture, oh, the God. internet wrestling community, the IWC is one of the most toxic places on earth. It's disgusting. It's vile. Uh, I, I, I hate I, I don't feel ashamed telling people I'm a pro wrestling fan. Oh, not at all. I feel ashamed because I don't want people to associate me with that. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it, it's, it's a vile place. And yeah, I think with, I, without hesitation, I can say Dax is a better man than me. Yeah. Uh, Cause I would not have gone out the way he went out. I, I would have absolutely taken some motherfuckers down with I'm me. Burning the city to the ground. <laughs> yeah. um, so he sees again, without hesitation, he's obviously a better human being than I am. Uh, and it's, it is, it's a, it's a terrible fucking shame because he had great insights into, I mean, it, yeah, you can listen to podcasts from the old timers. You can listen to podcasts from the outsiders like us, but he was a guy who's actively working in the business and giving his insights. He's clearly a huge fan of the industry, a fan of the business, as well as working within it. That's an opportunity for insight that, that fans just don't get very often. And it's ruined because some people decided that they needed to fill their empty lives with fucking vitriol and disgust. And it's, it's absolutely a shame. And, you know, my heart goes out to the guy. He obviously loves his kids. He obviously loves his family. You know, did that great promo that that came, ended up with the shirt fight, like an eight year old girl, the guy, the guy's got passion. 
coming out his ears. I, I do. I, I feel fucking terrible for him, both as a father and as just a fellow human being. So uh, be better. God damn it. Yeah, be be better. fucking better, people. I just, I don't, I don't think it's that hard to not be a monster. I don't think it's that hard to not be a fucking terrible person. I, I always think of my uh, a friend of mine. He always said it, it literally costs nothing to not be a creep. Yep. Literally costs nothing. And also, by the way, Jim, when you said outsiders, I really was nervous that you, you meant Kevin Nash's podcast. Yes. That one too. Yeah. That one too. That was, well, isn't that one called like click this or something like that? It's like, I, it's click something. Yeah. It's, How long before he sues us for clickbait? Oh no. Oh God. Cause I'm just saying we said it first. It's, it's well, on we, record. We could respond with like the dead Kennedy said, you know, like basket full of dead puppies. We could just say, yeah. we'll name our, our podcast. Click Kevin Nash's knee. <laughs> Kevin Nash's quad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he can send us a cease and desist like they did to the young bucks. It'll be great. Dude, It'll boost our of, brand. Dude, that'd be kind of awesome to be honest. He, yeah, we, we would start every episode Kevin with Nash. the pod the podcast Kevin Nash doesn't want you to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We have proof. <laughs> Mike, Sorry. I mean, what did you forward? Mikey, I mean, not, I mean, obviously, you know, not, not as a, not as a father, but just as a human being with the basic gifts of empathy. I mean, what were you, you've got the background a little bit here from Tom and I now, what are your reactions to that? It's just sad. It, it, I don't get it. It it, it just, it just, you're right, Jim. I'm not a father. Um, but I'd like to think I'm a, I'm a pretty decent human being, or at least I really try hard to be. And, um, I would never, ever say I'd like, I, I just don't understand sometimes these fans that can't separate the truth from fiction and the, the, the art from the, the work that they do in the ring. You know, um, it, it reminds me of a video I've seen floating around on social media, um, of a guy, I think it was a couple of years ago. Um, but he was, he interfered with some match and then he shows up in an MLW match. I think it was like last year. Um, and Jacob Fatu goes at him and everyone was like, oh, that's the same guy that did. And I mean, it's just like guys, like he essentially what I'm trying to get at is, is he like these fans like approach the ring and it's like, these guys are going to hurt you. Um, and like, you know, I think I can't remember who the, the first wrestler was, um, God, it's like right on the tip of my tongue, but he showed up again with Jacob Fatu and Jacob Fatu like shoved him, like, like get the fuck away from like mm-hmm. the guy clearly like was overstepping his grounds. And I'm just like, guys, girls, people, it, it, this is story. It's just let it go. You know? Yeah. Like, of course I, you know, I think jokingly text you guys every week, like, uh, fuck the young bucks, but like, <laughs> It's, I don't know these guys. Like, I'm not going to yeah. go beat them up in an airport. I, I'll probably, I've met them and I'll probably be like, uh, you know, this thing I do at the end of my races, I do this double bicep pose with this guy that I, I like, of course I'm going to geek out in front of them. You know, mm-hmm. like we all have our opinions, but it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. And I, if it's in Jim, this is more, you know, obviously your, your territory, I would think, I, I would think, but it just seems like the more that social media has kind of risen and, and maybe not even social media, but just this, like the blur between professional wrestling and reality is, is becoming very, very skewed in my Mm -hmm. opinion, to the point to where 
it's confusing a lot of people. Really, I, I know that sounds crazy, but it's 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 you know you get these reality shows where it's like, hey, look, they're real people, but like, are they actually doing the things? Because reality TV is very skewed, and so what's real, what's not? That's what's always been the thing about professional wrestling. And I think when people see this, they get they're just they're so flooded with it. And on social media, you've got you know through the WWE, they have to be this one way, but they have their private accounts where they're a completely different way. And it's it's almost a smorgasbord of emotions, I think, for some people, and it's too hard for them to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just they have a it's I don't know they have a really tough time of separating back from fiction, unfortunately. Well, and it, it sucks. It's not just pro wrestling. The, the, the growth of parasocial relationships uh, that, that kind of parallels the rise of social media. And, and, you know, I, I have, I have friends of mine from, from uh, graduate school who study fandom, right. And they study fan studies and, and the kind of the cult of personality and, and the, the lines that get crossed. Uh, and it's disturbing. It's disturbing how many people, you know, like at, <laughs> As a teacher, one of the criticisms or one of the really it's shit talking, it's not even crazy, just shit talking. I hear, you know, my entire career is I pay your salary, right? Well, first of all, no, the fuck you don't, right? Secondly, that's the kind of attitude a lot of people have towards pro wrestlers as well as actors, musicians, et cetera, et cetera, right? Celebrity in general is this whole, you know, like, oh, well, I bought a ticket. You owe me. No, fuck you, man. No, no, the fuck. No, they don't. They owe you what they've done. They owe you what they've already done. They owe you what they're doing in the ring. They don't owe you anything beyond that. And it's the sick kind of mentality of if I have access to parts of your life, then I have the right to access every other part of your life. That is, I mean, we used to call that psychosocial behavior. We used to call that psychotic behavior. And now it's just called online fandoms. Uh, it's, it's, it's horrible. It's terrifying. The, you know, we, we've seen study after study that shows that once you mediate an interaction, that is once you put a device between you and the other person, you lose a sense of personalness, you lose a sense of humanity in the context. The only interaction these people have with a guy like Dax Harwood is through a phone, through a computer, through an app. And as a result, they tend to not see that as Dax Harwood. They see that as a caricature. They see that as a, as a, as a, uh, an object. And it's, it's, it's a sad growing pain of, of human, the human race that we need to get past fast as fucking possible. That was a really geeky answer. Apologies already. That was to add to your point, Jim. Uh, could you? I mean, for for especially you and Mike both. Like, I know you guys travel quite frequently, and I know that you guys are probably not in love with airports. But could you imagine some random dude just coming up to you while you guys are like fucking jet lag, just being like, "Hey, let me bug you while you're going to the bathroom," or "Hey, let me let me bug you," and then the to, for them to have the audacity to be like you guys are just a bunch of dicks. Cause you don't want to talk to me. And like, it always brings back to like when Sasha Banks or Mercedes Monet is like, do not approach me. Like this, this is not the time to approach me. And so many, like, thank God so many wrestlers have followed suit time and place. You jackasses. Like, would you honestly like some random, like old dude, who's going to like sell your shit online, just running up to you being like, sign this, sign this. Oh, you bitch. How come you won't do this? It's, it's fucking insane. It's just true story. True story. 
Last week, uh, I was in uh, Bloomington, Illinois for, for my son's academic competition. And I go to check into the hotel and I, you know, go up to my room. And I, as I'm unlocking the door of my hotel room, I open the door and I turn around to grab my bag. And standing across the hall from me going into her room was the actress Jane Lynch. Right. She was in best in show glee. Right. She was in, she's an ISU alum and she was in town because she was uh, directing a play, a student play. And I kind of looked at her and I had that immediate, like, holy fuck, that's Jane Lynch. She looked at me, saw my face of the holy fuck. I know who you are. She gave me a smile and a little head bob, a little head nod thing. And I kind of did a little head nod back and went on our way. How hard is that? Right. I get to say I saw Jane Lynch. She doesn't get to get bothered because she's a fucking she's going into her hotel. First of all, she's in Bloomington. She's obviously miserable. Right. I'm not going to perpetuate that fucking misery. Yeah, exactly. Bloomington, Illinois. Fuck that noise. So, yeah, like you, you can see somebody who's famous and not fuck with their day because the someone who's famous is still a one. There's still a some person. Let them just be a fucking person. I got off a plane. I've been dealing with a, like a back issue and I got off the plane. And the only thing I could think of was like getting up and walking around and believe it or not, I was thinking about, you know, some of the wrestlers, they get approached and I'd be like, get the fuck away from me. Like, because Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and it's, I can only imagine what those guys are going through after a hard match, something like that. I am absolutely with you guys. Like if I'd see them, I like you, Jim would probably be like, you know, holy crap. And hopefully just be like, maybe be like, I think you're really great. Have a good night. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, just, I, I got to see this person. Like you said, I've had a couple of those, just not even non-wrestling. I've run into some people who have been like, Oh, cool. And I just, you know, hello, hello. I think you're really great. And we move on. And it's, Mm -hmm. That's a cool interaction. You don't need to just bump. I just don't understand that. And it's just, yeah, it's a real drag. Kind of leads into our, the next organization, uh, I guess (laughs) that we're going to talk about um, because man, there's often very good with social media and there's very bad. Um, This one actually was kind of good because I didn't really, I didn't know anything about this until it started making the rounds in social media and that was, uh, we're talking about Impact and the debut of Miss Trinity Fatu uh, in Impact, which I'm just going to throw it out there right away. I think it's phenomenal for Impact. I think it is a huge pickup for them. I really do. Um, because I think with Trinity, there's a lot of stuff that comes with it. One is Miss Mercedes Monet, I think is eventually going to show up, mm-hmm. but also her presentation. Um, you can't pull that off without presentation. Um, her character, I love the glow. I do. I think it's great. She's connecting. She's energetic. She's, and she's a great wrestler. I really do. I think she, unfortunately, just, they, they didn't know what to do with her. Um, and unfortunately, it, I don't mean this in a bad way because I don't know them, but she was also, I always forget, is she Jimmy's wife or it's Jimmy's wife, right? Yeah, she's Jimmy's wife. Yeah. She was Jimmy's wife is what it looked as. And it just, I don't think they ever could break that. I think they really tried on the divas and whatnot. My wife, Kate's a big fan of Trinity, but like, again, of her character, her showcase, she comes out, she dances with the lights. So I'm hoping this gets impact to be like, okay, we got to step up our production value and this and whatnot. And, but also I, 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 gentlemen, I think what a great pickup for the women's division, but, um, Really quick, just to 
kind of tie together. Did you guys hear about this via social media or was because that's where I heard I was like, holy, I was like, wait, what? I was driving back into Chicago and me and Kate were, I was like, oh my God, I forgot Impact was in town. And Kate was like, I want to go see Trinity. Let's go. And I was like, there's, I don't think we're going to make it happen. And it didn't end up working out. But again, social media. So thoughts on that. And then obviously, what do you think um, of Trinity coming to Impact? No, I thought they did a great job because I, yeah, the way I found out about it was the reports that she was in Chicago for the, for the impact tapings. Um, there was, I, I mean, there was no leaks. There was, they, they did a really good job of, of holding this. Um, you know, now leaks are plenty. Now there's all kinds of stuff that you're seeing. I've even seen her, her new submission finisher in a video online and it's looks fucking brutal. Uh, but no, I, I think that's fantastic. I, I said this a long time ago on this show. I think the best thing impact could do is be a female focused organization. They have so many good female talent on the roster. I think that that should be their emphasis. And I think Trinity just further proves my point. You know, Trinity versus Jordan Grace, Deanna Perrazzo versus Rosemary. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of brilliant, brilliant performers that she can have great matches with. Um, and also Impact has shown that they're willing to bring in, uh, you know, female talent for kind of one offs and, and bring in indie darlings. You know, uh, they had Lady Frost for a while coming in. So I, I, I think it's going to be great for Impact because she is, like you said, Mike, a wonderful presentation. She has an amazing presentation. She's also an incredible athlete. She really is just phenomenally athletic. Uh, she, she could work on selling a little bit, but I think for the most part, she's very, very talented. Uh, and she's going to be a, a big fucking hit and impact. I think, uh, I think she's going to open the doors for a lot of cross promotions as well. Having Trinity there and her name and her recognition, I think it's going to open the door for her for impact to be able to work with other entities more easily, uh, because they're going to want. They're going to want her on their cards too. So um, good for Trinity, good for Impact. I think it was a smart move all the way around. And I think the way they brought her in was smart. So I'm looking for, I mean, I'm the Impact guy. Obviously, I'm a big fan. I'm looking forward to this. I want to see how this plays out. Uh, but even if I wasn't the Impact guy, I think I think this is fucking great. I'm excited for it. Uh, no, I, I, I do. I agree with you guys. I think it's a, it's a great, great, great thing for Impact. And also too, I think... Uh, I think impact what's fun about impact is that they're like, you can kind of see the wheels turning and how they're like, Oh, we've learned our lesson from picking up X WWE guys. So like, remember back when all those WWE guys like Kurt Angle showed up and all of a sudden it was just like, what is, what is this? This is WCW like junior. And then, uh, you know, I think they finally, you know, said, get the fuck out of here, Jeff Jarrett. And so, um, yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited because I, I do think I, she ha- she has a lot to to add to the to the program and and Jim I can't I man I agree with you a thousand percent they need to switch that to a complete women's division because um, I don't know if you guys saw but uh, Steve Macklin is their champ and yeah. I don't know how I feel about that I'm all for uh, trying something different but huh. He's forgotten no more, Tom. He has forgotten no more. I mean, remember, remember he was part of that horrible fucking gimmick. Remember that? Who remembers that? Why are you bringing up like a horrible gimmick as like your catchphrase for being a world champion? I'm like, doesn't help it at all, dude. Cause I like could, couldn't care less. Like I, he's, he's, he's not the guy. He's not the one. 
No. He's definitely, it's so again, kind of, you know, uh, transitioning topics here from something great to something obviously very questionable, um, you know, is uh, so Impact held one of their bigger events. Uh, Jim uh, being the Impact guy, what was it? Um, Bound for Glory. Bound for Glory. And they were uh, two of the biggest things was because uh, Josh Alexander had uh, injury had to relinquish the titles. So this was kind of a, we're going to crown a new champion. Um, but also was uh, Deanna Prazo versus um, uh, Jordan Grace, actually for the, also a, um, because Mickey James got hurt. So it was kind of the crown, a new women's champion. Uh, so I, I to kind of add this, I maybe that's why Steve Macklin wanted so they could showcase, Hey, kind of have their own Adam Cole, Britt Baker, Mm-hmm. Triple H, Stephanie, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know, something to kind of sell it more. But I'm Deanna Prazo, I'm absolutely on board with. Like, I'm I'm okay with. Um, reason being, at first, I was like, what the fuck? i big Jordan Grace fan, but uh, I don't know if we were going to touch on this, but her uh, supposedly her contract is coming up very soon. Oh, whoa. Um, yeah. And so I don't know where she's going to go. I actually, it's an interesting decision. She's, I don't think she's, Definitely going to, it doesn't seem like she's going to resign with impact. I just, I, if, I have no idea where she's going to go. Cause I don't think right now she could fit in with AEW. And I think she's too good for NXT yet. Not quite ready for the main roster. And it's, I'm not, it, I, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see what she does, but anyway, but that was kind of the, the, you know, the topic of conversation is, you know, Deanna Prazo and Steve Macklin, both winning the titles that night. Um, you know, pro Deanna Prazo now learning kind of what's going on with Jordan Grace. I think that's fine. But Steve Macklin, man, I, yeah. What a question mark. He, uh, he went over Kushida, you guys <laughs> <laughs> just let that settle in for a second. Like one of the greatest wrestlers ever in, in our generation, he beat him. He beat him just, mm-hmm. just like that. Yep. Good job, Steve Macklin. Way to go, Steve Macklin. Yeah, it's scruffy Steve Macklin. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, if 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 Impact wanted to have their own Britt Baker and Adam Cole, you've got Jordan Grace and John Gresham. Bingo. What the, the come on, come the fuck on. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a killer fucking duo right there. And they're a far more well-known couple than Deanna Perrazzo and Steve Macklin. Nobody gives yeah. a fuck about that couple, but <laughs> Gresham and Grace, they have an amazing following. Yeah. They have they have push behind them. Uh yeah, I th- there's there's some really good performers in impact, and giving it to Steve Macklin is it seems like Every once in a while, you know, we were talking before we start recording about going down rabbit holes and every once in a while you go down a rabbit hole of like, like, oh, fuck. Remember when this guy was world champion for two minutes? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it feels like to be with Steve Macklin. Yeah, Is it's going to be one of those like nobody's ever going to fucking remember that this rain happened because he's, he's just he's not that good. He's just not. He's definitely not world champion material. He's one of those guys that is going to cut one of those promos of like, you all doubted me. See me now. And then he's going to lose to PCO. And you're like, yeah, we sure did doubt you. Buddy. <laughs> you guys, you guys want to talk about WWE stuff? This, <laughs> this is legit been on my brain the entire week trying to unpack. I, I pulled the trigger and I was like, you know, I think I, I, did, Jim, did you watch? I think you watched raw with the big announcement. 
You didn't. Oh, yes. It. I'm sorry. I did. I did watch. I was going to say, Jesus oh, Christ. That couldn't have been the yeah. only guy that actually like decided to watch this shit. Oh, man, that, how like, great would that have been, Jim? If we just <laughs> <laughs> left Mike out to dry on that. <laughs> oh, oh, my. Listen, you're like, believe what? Uh, <laughs> I, I Jim, I had a moment like you. I think you said a couple of weeks ago. I turned it off. Half. I was so. <laughs> bewildered by what oh, the announcement so was where it was like so we'll just get right into it and because there but there is one i really want to talk about um two actually i really want to talk about one that's very serious and one i think is absolutely hilarious but um is this so this idea of this new belt and the fact that they i don't even know how to frame this up i've like i can't unpack this so the, Triple H is going to make this big announcement, and the, I didn't. I had no idea really what it was. I, I think one of you said, "I think it might be a new belt." I can't remember, mm-hmm. um, but I'm like, it's got to be something better than that. Like maybe you know the draft is coming up. Okay, I, I'll, I'll bite. I'll watch. Man, I'm glad I did because well, I don't even know if I'm glad I did because it made my <laughs> brain like I think I like. I went and saw another universe, but then came back and then, but also just started laughing my ass. Like it's just been a God damn it. So waiting, 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 waiting. So the big announcement is triple H comes out and basically in a nutshell, buries Roman reigns. Like almost shoot buries him. Cause it was like, about business because in, I was going to, I, so like I said, we'll just get into this, but like, I felt like triple H was tearing up where I, did you guys get, like feel that at all? Like he felt mm-hmm. bad about this announcement where he, I, it, it, to me, it felt like he's like, what the fuck am I doing? What am I about to do? And I was like, Oh my, I thought he was going to retire and walk away. I was like, guys, I think trips is that's it. He's I'm done. I'm going to go be a family man. And he brings out. And then all of a sudden you can see, he kind it feels like he course corrects comes into business and <laughs> buries Roman Reigns to the fucking <laughs> core of the earth and announces that there's going to be a new world heavyweight champion. And everyone is like, what? And it looks awful. The championship looks awful. So I've been trying to figure out why this, I, this makes no sense. So then they throw the draft in and the draft, you know, Hey, People start going everywhere and I bought into this a little bit and I started reading and it was the one I really wanted to read about was, was what was going to happen with Roman and Cody Rhodes. And so everyone is like, it makes no sense. It makes no sense for Cody to get, he'll stay on SmackDown. He'll go where Roman goes, where the story goes. Roman goes to SmackDown. Great. Love it. Cody stays on raw where they're going to promote this new title belt. And I went, Oh my God, what did they just do? Like, if I was Roman, I would be furious. Like, I would be livid, mm-hmm. like beyond livid of what, but they are trying to sell this. And this is a good thing, guys. I, I just, I, I know you're chomping at the bit on this, so I want to turn it over <laughs> to you. But like, this has been on my brain all week about what is happening? What, what prompted this? What? What is going on and what do you think is going to happen? Cause this is just nuts. So I, Tom, I, I'll turn it over to you first. Cause. Oh, what the fuck? am I, am I like the honorary WWE guy? Yep. Cause I don't want to be. How does it feel asshole? Oh, How does it feel? It feels terrible. You guys, 
Like, you're going to be, hour, I'll be right back. Like, I don't feel good. You're going to be the WWE and the Instagram guy. Cause oh, you have to have a oh, fed oh, and a social media platform. I mean, I'll do Instagram, but I don't know. <laughs> WWE guy. Um, two things real quick, Mike, that I want to mention is that like about the triple H thing, there has been moments where I've, I've been with you guys. And there's been moments where I know separate moments in your life that you have literally just maybe it's like, taking a cold shower and just kind of stared at the mirror being like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, what am I doing with my life? That was triple H's moment. And he unfortunately did it on in front of millions of people. And he was like, no, no, no I'm, I'm triple H, God damn it. And he, so like, I couldn't stop laughing over right. that. Right. And the second thing I want to bring up to you is I have the, utmost respect for both of you gentlemen. I love you dearly. I think you're two of the smartest dudes in the world. So when what was going on, I was very nervous to text you guys because I re- I wasn't watching it. I didn't watch it. So I texted you because Mike and Mike and Jim were just blowing up our, our text thread. Be like, fuck, can you believe this bullshit? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what is going on? And I was like, oh, they revealed a new championship? Like, big deal. But I was like, there's something going on. And if I text these two guys, I'm going to get killed. So <laughs> and then Mike, Mike, Mike called me and he's like, dude, why aren't, why aren't you like texting? And I was like, to be honest, dude, I don't know what's going on. So you're going to <laughs> And so Mike broke it down for me. And I was just like flabbergasted. I was like, you put years of storyline, by the way, which I will give them credit for amazing storyline. It's been an amazing, it's been an amazing journey for Roman Reigns. You can't take that away from the guy. And then they just, it's like putting old yeller out to pasture. They just like, killed him. They just killed it. because now on top of that, you know, Cody's going to win that goddamn belt or, or God forbid Omos or okay. Okay. anybody else. Cause that was what I texted you guys later. I was right. like, could you imagine we live in a world where this could happen? But I don't want to, I don't want to imagine that world. Ross could get that belt. Um, no, I mean, it, it, I think it's either Cody or Seth freaking Rollins. Those are the only be, two options. Yeah, or Finn. Finn, Finn no, no. Really? I, but I, like that was one of the worst things I've ever seen. On top of the the, the already terrible draft that's going on, um, I it, at this point it's just a it's a fucking circus of a mess over there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even I, like. And, and Jim and I both both commented too. That belt is hideous. Yeah. It's awful. Do you it's fuck they, ugly. They booed the belt out of the building when they revealed the big red belt, which it was like whatever. Okay, it's just a red version of the black one. Like, yeah. okay, who cares? That is ugly. And 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 I and it all goes back to our hatred of Vince McMahon. That's Vince McMahon putting a cherry on top of the Sunday, saying, "I beat WCW. Look what I did to their belt." Mm-hmm. that's that's what it is well it reminds me a lot of the really shitty redesign of the intercontinental belt Dude, when they came yes. out when yeah, yeah it, it, i think they're using the same designer because it looks just gaudy as fuck and it does like it's like i'm trying to be modern but i don't know what modern is it it's it's terrible it looks fucking terrible How do you and belt clunky 
belts shouldn't have layers right no. it's not yeah. a fucking wedding cake right if you lay the belt on its side it shouldn't have mountain range contou- contours to it uh, but I, the thing that kills me about the new title is you know like you were saying mike they they you know they buried roman reigns essentially in doing this but they created it right let it's not like this is real, right? Let's go back to the Dax Harwood discussion. This isn't fucking real. You guys created the Roman Reigns is bigger than God storyline. And now you're going to say on TV, well, this guy, <laughs> you, and, and you know, as, as, also as somebody who's been involved in contract negotiations and in, in my day job, right? One of the things I have to remind people of all the time is that whenever a contract is signed, that's both parties agreed to it. Not necessarily both parties liked it, but both parties agreed to it, right? In that promo, Triple H is talking about how, you know, well, you know, give him credit. He did the smart thing. He, he worked himself a deal where he wouldn't have to work as much. And you signed it, asshole. <laughs> and you fucking yeah. signed it, too. Okay, so no sour grapes, no going back and being like, oh, well, look what he did to us. You authorized it. So miss me with that bullshit. And in no way, shape or form, my Roman Reigns defender. But this is just this is this this is beyond who it was about. That's a shitty boss management move to be like, we signed this contract, but we don't like it. So we're going to talk shit about it. You signed it, asshole. You fucking signed it. If it really was that big of a deal to you, you wouldn't have fucking signed it, or at least you shouldn't have signed it. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a horrible. I think it's it's going to go nowhere. You know, I think the the best thing that could possibly happen is what I sent you guys as a joke. Uh, you know, the copy of that tweet. You know, have Roman win it. I think it'd be fucking hilarious to have right. Roman win right. it. Because I mean it there's so many options of what they could have done. They could have split the titles, right? They could have actually had Roman lose. You know, there's, there's so many things they could have done. They painted themselves into this corner and decided the only way out was to burn down the fucking house. It just, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it. yep. yeah, it's, yep. it's just stupid. It's just stupid. And the belt is ugly. Tom. Well, the, belt yes, is, the belt is very ugly. Yes. Everything that I've read and everything that I've seen. And when I've seen the very little bit of it, or at least what I can stand. And he's working his ass off uh, from everything that I I've seen. And I heard that the, with you, Jim too, is that he's kind of the hot favorite, um, you know, and then again, you've got this, you know, build up with, with, with Cody and Seth, but I just, oh, man, mas, it, oh, mas, oh, mas. <laughs> I just, no. And it's and it's, and, you know, and Jim, just to not to go back into this too much, um, you know, but you, you brought up something and I think where it's, where the, I think reality comes into me is that you build up this you, character of Roman reigns and, you know, he's this and he's relied on this and it's, a revenue source for him, you know? So, you know, take away the wrestling, like the real part, like this is the guy's job and you just belittled him in front of millions of people, whether you like it or not, or, you know, call it what it is. And it's just like, this is taken away from that guy. And it's just like, especially someone who's, who's under, who's finally understood his role and worked his ass off to make it work. Did it go on a little too long? Maybe, you know, are they, are they, 
you know, missing out on some good things. Did they miss out on some good things? Absolutely. But I don't know. That's just what's kind of been sticking with me a little bit too, is just that weirdly uh, is that just that, man, you're just, you're taken away from this guy who's really worked his ass off, you know, and coming where he's coming from. And at the end of the day, it's just meh, you know, we're, we're the WWE and we're going to do what we want to do. And we're always going to do it. And it just, I don't know. Just kind of sucks. Breaking news. Vince McMahon might have a race problem. <laughs> oh my God. So I heard about this. And so Jim, I'll throw it over to you because I think you were the first one to kind of really tell our show of this to us. And, and I like my heart just kind of like, I was like, like, no, no, like you've got to be kidding me at this day and age. So uh, Jim, yeah. Take it away, man. Well, the, the the gist of the story is that Vince McMahon and the WWE are being sued again in a high, pro- <laughs> high profile lawsuit claiming racial and sexual discrimination in their writer's room. Uh, a, a woman who wrote for WWE for a couple of years uh, was released for what is very clearly bullshit reasons and has sued the company. And she has named Vince and Stephanie uh, as well as other writers in the room and the company as a whole uh, in her suit. Uh, She alleges that there was a really uh, toxic environment of racist and sexist discourse in the writer's room. Uh, Specifically, they were giving examples about how to write for Bianca Belair and how they basically just wanted her to be a caricature of a ghetto black woman. And this, this plaintiff in the lawsuit is a black woman and went, that's really fucking offensive. No. And apparently by raising that objection was harassed and, and uh, uh, kind of um, the subject of ridicule and the subject of a lot of workplace bullying because of it, according to her lawsuit. Uh, And I just, you know, when, when this story broke, first reactions was well, no shit. I mean, like, I, I mean, a casual fan of WWE has to acknowledge they're bad at talking about race. They are bad when it comes to handling race. Their first instinct is always to go to racial stereotypes. I mean, it is their first and sometimes last instinct in creating a character is to go to racial stereotypes. Uh, the idea that somebody speaking up and being bullied also a will no shit because that's been that's that's always been the way it's been in oh, WWE. That's their, that's their MO. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. just how they do business. So I mean, it, it just it continues to pile on of the the lack of of ethics and integrity in that organization, uh, and it, and it's a top down problem when when you're in an organization that's essentially an authoritarian rule. Right. WWE is the North Korea of sports entertainment. Right. Everyone answers to one man and one man only. And when you're in that environment, the buck stops there and his attitude becomes everybody's attitude. And Vince McMahon, uh, one of the very few white men in the history of American television to say the N word and not get fired uh, on TV, remember that when he called John Cena the N word? Uh, uh, remember that yeah. segment? That was yeah, top notch. Uh, yeah, it's just when when Vince McMahon is in charge of your company, that's exactly the environment you're going to have. And the sooner the people, the board uh, of of Endeavor realize that this man is nothing but a cancer, the better off they'll be. Well. 
it, it, Tom, I didn't know if you were going to bring this up, um, but the the uh, what was it? The original or some of the original storylines for Shane Thorpe and Reggie. <laughs> I don't know, Tom, did you, is that what yeah. you were going to talk about? Yeah, like, was, oh, it's, uh, yeah Tom, like, that run. blew my fucking mind. Mm-hmm. Like, unreal. Yeah, they, they were going to do the, the where he was going to hunt Reggie. And then um, there was another one about a guy who like, and and I, do, I, I don't know if this was reference to, uh, what was his name? Muhammad Hassad. Muhammad Hassan, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was reference to that, but they were they were also like toying with an idea with like somebody being in charge of like the nine eleven attacks. Oh no, it was Mansoor. They wanted Mansoor. Oh, they pitched God. a storyline where Mansoor was involved in the nine eleven attacks because he's from Saudi Arabia. Oh Jesus Christ! But why on earth are you even toying with that idea when you're partnered with the guys who are responsible for the goddamn? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, seriously. I mean, Jim and I talked about this too. Like it, I mean, this isn't, this isn't new to anybody. Like, do you guys remember Akeem? (laughs) Well, that was a shot at, that was a shot at dusty, dusty roads. Yeah. But Jesus Christ. I mean, come on. The African dream. Yeah. It's a fat white guy. Yeah. Dude, I, I just, I seriously can't believe he hasn't done like, and I think there was rumors of it uh, about like a woke wrestler. Like he, he, cause he would really, cause you know, McMahon's a Republican nightmare. He, he fuels, he gives money to the Republican, Republican party. And yeah, he, I'm pretty sure he was like spouting off in a, in a room about like how much he hates the woke culture. And, and like, it's really no surprise that this shit is coming out. But like, if there is any reason to boycott WWE, well, there's your first one. <laughs> well, well, there's I the thought, like 38, 31,000, you know? Yeah. Well, Tom, I thought in, in maybe I'm just making this up or I'd heard this somewhere, but I thought that was like the woke wrestler or the non-woke wrestler that's who um austin theory was it was he was like attached to mcmahon's hip Jesus and it was supposed Christ. to be that's what i had heard i allegedly or whatever allegedly know. yeah <laughs> hey uh geez i just yeah i read that and was like i how like i understand it's terrifying to speak up in a room and i'm i i I can only imagine the toxic culture in this environment, but at this day and age, it's just, it, that is like, how can no one be like, what the fuck? Like, are you serious? Like, are you, are you really serious? Like, what are you thinking? You know, and it's core just, of it. Yeah. It's somebody, I can't believe somebody's just like, not cool, man. Not cool. Like, yeah. not doing like do not do this. Like, what do you think? And it just, yeah. Well, so. and according to the complainant, Bianca Belair said repeatedly, I don't want to do this. I don't want you know, I don't because they would they would bring it to her and she would say, I know I don't like this. I don't want to be doing this. And the writer who was standing up for her, you know, was easier to push away, was easier to cut off than Bianca Belair. So I, it just it is it's this, you know, there's there's you look at who's been in charge of the creative aspect of WWE for Many, many years now, um, Vince has surrounded himself with yes men and they're all old white guys. Yep. 
Now, as a middle-aged white guy, I should probably celebrate that, but I actually fucking hate it <laughs> because I yeah. recognize that old white guys are what's getting into so like getting us into a lot of the problems that we're in anymore. Uh, but you know, it's not a surprise that that's what their in that's what their workplace environment is going to be like. And you know, just remember that you know, casual fans out there. The next time you see Triple H, Stephanie, go on TV and give this heartfelt, we're for the fans, the universe is, you know, the WWE universe, we're all a family. Remember what they really are behind closed doors. And what they really are behind closed doors is racist, sexist, homophobic. That's who they are. That's their, they need to own that and they need to make amends for that. Speaking of preaching. Um, uh, was surprised to see this is I, I, cause I had heard, uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, million dollar man, Jr. <laughs> uh, had no involvement in any of this nonsense and, you know, um, had been, I had thought at one point almost cleared, I thought, or maybe that was his dad. Um, his but dad, anyway, yeah. um, we're talking about Ted DiBiase Jr., uh, Million Dollar Man Jr., uh, is being indicted on some very serious charges, very, I think, directly related to his brother, correct? Um, involved in this, like, essentially COVID fraud kind of scheme. And it, really, in a nutshell, it was just fraud. Um, but um, I thought his brother was the one that was kind of the ringleader and all this. So, uh, I was kind of surprised to see this. Like, did you get, do you guys know any more about why he's like, is it, is it the same thing as his brother or it's a similar charge, but different events, different offenses. So it's kind Uh, of like, like if you got arrested for armed robbery and two months later, Tom got arrested for armed robbery, you both went down for the same crime, but very different like executions of those crimes. Right. I see. So they're both financial fraud crimes, uh, but they're, they're, they're not, like the same incident. So uh, what we know about uh, Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man is that everyone has a price and uh, <laughs> apparently his kids uh, have a much, much lower price than the rest of us probably would have. Uh, I love the fact that Ted DiBiase Jr. Left wrestling because, and this is, you can look this up. This oh, yeah. is real. He claimed he left pro wrestling because it was too immoral. Because his godly virtuous self didn't want to be in the den of sin that is professional wrestling. Well, enjoy the den of sin that is getting fucked in the ass in a federal prison, Ted. Uh, you holier than thou son of a bitch. If you want to uh, buy, if you want to thump your Bible, you go right the fuck ahead. But don't you look down on other people who don't and then turn around and commit fucking felony fraud against the United States federal government and then still try to act like you're fucking better than anybody. Yeah, the, uh, you're right about the details, Mike. It's the, the, the alleged crime here is that DiBiase, along with I think like four or five co-conspirators, defrauded the government on COVID relief funds. Uh, and uh, got caught. Ha! Suck on them apples. <laughs> we need justice. 
Jim, <laughs> if you don't edit in the Million Dollar Man laugh after all this, what the whole do? time, what the whole time do? underneath this segment is just going to be that laugh <laughs> on the loop. Yeah. <laughs> like, what a pe- did you guys see even when he came out, like after someone was like, hey, that is it true? And he's like, he made some stupid Bible comment or he was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's God's like God's great and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you dumb motherfucker. Like, <sighs> have fun going to prison. <laughs> so I think to round out, um, you know, we'll, we'll close out with some fun stuff here. Um, so we'll do kind of a quick span of, uh, of the Indies, uh, the international scene. So new Japan, ring of honor, triple A, the Indies, uh, is, is, so to speak. Um, I think the biggest news, uh, is, uh, he's back. Mr. United empire. Will Ospreay, uh, sounds like he's been cleared or is it, getting very close to being cleared. Oh, he's cleared. Um, he's cleared. Is he cleared? Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's cleared. And also, um, and Tom, I know you're a big Will Ospreay guy, so I'll lean on you for this. Um, I don't know where it just was like my contract's up in February, 2024. Um, I was like, Oh, okay. That was weird. So Todd, like, what do you think? Uh, what's going to happen with Will? Where do you think he's going to, what do you think? Well, I would love uh, if Mr. Osprey stayed in New Japan, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, <laughs> um, because I don't I don't I see him getting lost in the weeds in AEW. Um, I think there's too much going on there for them to have like a, a solid storyline for him. I mean, case in point, look at Jay White, you know, uh, Jay White was white fucking hot in New Japan. And now he's kind of NWO 2000. And so and the, the only my biggest worry is that he's going to go to WWE because when he was a young man, oh, Jim's shaking his head. Hold on. I'll connect the dots here, Jim. When he was a young man, if you guys remember, if you haven't seen, uh, I think it was when he was in Rev Pro, Paul Heyman went out of his way to offer him a contract to, I believe it was um, Evolve. Okay. And he like personally handed it to him because he was, you know, friends with Gabe Sablinski and all that. But as a young man, he said no, because he didn't want to do the travel. And I think he still wanted to cut his teeth on the Indies. Now that he's an older dude. When you're throwing a buttload of money, do you really think he'd say no to that? That's yeah. And, and all, well, I mean, I, I would hope so. But like, <laughs> that's my biggest worry is that Paul Heyman, uh, you know, and I, I, all of us, I think are in agreement that we love Paul Heyman, but like with, with Paul Heyman behind you and the right amount of money, it's, it looks a little dicey. Do I mean, Personally, do I think he'd go over there? Probably not, because I think uh, with McMahon being there, I think that's a huge stipulation. Um, but honestly, if we're being serious, he, I think he's going to end up in AEW, and unfortunately, I think he's going to get lost in the sauce because that's just what... They, I mean, if AEW has nothing for you, you're just going to be doing God only knows what. Um so yeah, I mean, I'm excited that he's back. I'm glad that he's, you know, he's healthy and the injury wasn't as long as it was. Um, but man, I, I really wish he would, he would just stay in new Japan, but I, I don't think, I don't think he will. I think he's just going to have, um, some pretty phenomenal matches with, uh, with Kenny Omega. I think he's because he, he tweeted out like the war's not over. It's just begun. And so I'm excited to see that. And I, I hope there's something there and maybe he'll stay in new Japan because of it. But yeah, I don't know, Jim. What do you what do you think? I know you're you you disagree with me about the WWE, but do you, do you think he'll be in AEW? If he, there's no fucking way he goes to WWE, there's just no because he wouldn't be Will yeah. Osprey. His style would never work in WWE. They would never allow it. 
Um, and, and it's, it's a shame. Cause yeah, they could offer him a fuck ton of money and he deserves a fuck ton of money, but there, he, he wouldn't be able to wrestle his style whatsoever. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I hope he stays in new Japan. I think new Japan is the best option there because then he can work AEW shows. Uh, he can work other shows, right? They don't have an exclusive contract. You can, you can work other places too. Absolutely. I think that would be fantastic. I, I, you know, if going back to last episode, if Tony Khan is going to pursue a European division, oh, what a flagship, what a fucking star you'd have. Will Ospreay leading that division, leading that, that entity. Um, so that would be a cool, but that's entirely speculative. You know, I think the world that we live in right now, best case scenario is Osprey stays in new Japan, has some banger fucking matches with some AEW talent. Um, Ricochet finally gets the fuck out of WWE purgatory oh, and they can God. have some more banger matches. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I think dream world scenario. Yeah. Will Ospreay as the kind of the big name, the guy on all of the merch, the guy on all the trucks for an AEW Europe. Uh, but in the world that we live in today, you got to stay in New Japan. That's, yeah. that's where he's going to really excel and build his brand even more than he already has. I mean, Mike, would you, would you pay to see Will Ospreay in WWE? Would you buy those tickets? I mean, I, I'd probably, it, I'll, I'll use the example of AJ Styles when he first came in. I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to watch AJ Styles. Granted, I know I'm not, I wouldn't say Will is close to AJ Styles level, but it's he's going to be good at some point. And when AJ came into the WWE granite different time, you know, whatever, uh, you know, slightly, I guess, same product, but I watched it for a little bit and then I just went, okay, they're slowly stripping AJ. Um, so I, I think just out of morbid curiosity, I would be like, they're probably going to let him go if he goes to WWE. But I just, I'm like, I honestly, I just, I'm with you, Jim. I just, it doesn't make sense. Like his style doesn't work. He wouldn't be, it would just be, he would be unfortunately what Ricochet is right now. Um, Just kind of a forgotten of like, oh, right. Oh, fuck. Remember when Ricochet under a mask Mm -hmm. carried an entire company? Uh, Nobody, everybody knew who he was, but didn't know who is Prince Puma. Um, I've like, when I found out, I was like, oh my God, that's Ricochet. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, you know, and yada, yada, yada. So I I agree with you, Jim. I think it it would make the most sense for him at this moment to stay in in New Japan. Um, every time he's shown up, I've seen him with Aussie Open. I've seen him um, uh, when he was just doing the the New Japan uh, tour time that we saw him down in uh, Cicero, and it, he was yeah. I think it's just fine, and I think. Let, uh, you know, I think a Sonata versus uh, 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 Osprey, maybe, you know, throw when he kind of gets in there a little bit more, uh, David Finley, you know, kind of, you know, kind of recharge New Japan. I, I That'd be great. I think that's great. So I know that, sorry, that was a long drawn out, but it's just... <laughs> Well, I think the I think the worst part about is if Will Osprey went to WWE, I don't think they let him say bruv. I think they would like be afraid that that's like some kind of slang swear word. Yeah. Like, you can't say that. I just and then what's the point? What's yeah. the point of Will Osprey? You can't say bruv. Yeah, and it's just well, it boils down to, and it's just like I think the thing that I struggle with was sometimes like when we talk about these things is just that it's you know we always talk about like 
they're and you know will's gonna do what he wants to do you know and it's like i can't fault the guy for like you you know tom that's a boatload of money and like you're on a completely different platform now riding that high for what maybe two three years even if like ricochet was he was riding even when they they never promoted him. I mean, he was doing really well in NXT, so there was that part. But once he got to the main roster, I mean, still people were still he was buzzing for a good couple of years. And I mean, like that's a lot of money and a lot, but it's the travel and it's a huge change in style. And I just I don't know. I can't as a guy who I think has really evolved. You know, uh, someone who went from I, I kind of thought was kind of going to be like, you know, Mr. Like flip around and, you know, whatever. And he he really changed his style for the heavyweight division. And I really I would love to see him. I, I'd love to see him run New Japan. We have an accord. I did not know uh, about this, uh, I guess, going on. I know there was there was a rumor that he was thinking about it or you know because but he ended up re-signing with mlw but we're, we're talking about jacob fod too um is that i guess he's been talking about wanting to join the the bloodline or bringing that in tom like what is because I, I thought he just re-signed with mlw and recently won something to i thought was go against hammerstone again or maybe they've already had that like it's they fly so weirdly you hear about him, you don't hear about him. You hear about him, you don't, and it's like hard to kind of keep track of. So, Tom, take it away. Yeah, Jacob Fatu uh, like recently did an interview because obviously anybody with Fatu in their name is related <laughs> related to everybody in the Inouye family. Um, and I, for the life of me, I couldn't even tell you how he's related. Jim, do you know uh, he's he's cousins with the the Usos and with Roman Reigns? Mm. Sure, yeah, Man, he's Manu's son. Yes. He's yep. son of Manu. Ma- Manu's son. He was Tonga or Tonga Sam or Tonga Kid. Tonga Kid in yeah, WWE. He is he is El Hijo del Manu. I didn't I Jesus Christ, I didn't know that. <laughs> but anyways. So, no idea. No, I have no idea. It, it seriously blows my mind that the every time we talk about this, it's always something like if somebody new, you could just be like, Yeah, this person's a part of the Annoy family. I'd be like, wow. Um, yeah, he, he kind of, because I think there was heavily rumored that, um, Jacob Fatu, there was a huge rumor that, uh, after Solo came in, it was going to be, Jacob Fatu was going to come in and they were going to be what the Simone death squad or something like that. Yeah. And it just kind of washed away. And, and, and he said that, um, a quote from Jacob Fatu was that it, you know, if he wants to be in the bloodline, honestly, at this point it's in God's hands. Cause I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to go to WWE anytime soon. And um, rightfully so. I think Jacob Fatu is perfect where he's at. And if he's going to go anywhere, it, it, you know, impact, I think he would be, I think it would be great for impact. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see him going to WWE Mike, but uh, Jim, what do you think, man? I would, I said this a while ago, I would love to see Fat, Jacob Fatu in WWE. I wanted him in the role Solo Sokoa is in right now. I, I think he would be perfect for that. Oh my the man's, yes. he's fucking phenomenal. He's, he's the biggest, he's the most athletic big man I've ever seen. Uh, it is insane the aerial maneuvering that guy can do when he looks the way that he does, when he's built the way that he is. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Jacob Fatu in in WWE. Um, even though I I I 
hate <laughs> WWE's product at this point, I think he would do well there. So, I, I mean, just as a, as a human being and as a guy who busts his ass, I think he would, you know, good for him if he gets that call. Um, I would, I mean, personally, from my perspective, I would love to see him uh, in, in an impact. Um, I think he would just dominate impact. Uh, just completely uh, dominate impact. Could, could you um, imagine him and Josh Alexander? Yes. Well, I, I'm picturing him and Moose. I would Ooh, like a, 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 a Jacob Fatu versus Moose would be fucking nuts. Uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, I think he'd be a good fit in WWE. I think it'd be good for his pocketbook in WWE. Uh, but I think in terms of like from a fan's perspective, I, I'd love to see him in an impact situation. No, I agree. And I think it just, it stinks. Cause not, not to say that, that Jacob Fatu is not developed, um, I think it would have been a good development tool, I guess, Jim, I know you kind of alluded to it, you know, just being in that, that's uh, where Sola Sokoa is right now. But um, no, ultimately I think he's, I, I think he's good where he's at. Um, um, again, I'm not sure if they've had their rematch Hammerstone. And if I'm saying, I think it's Hammerstone, right? That's that Hammerstone. Guy, yeah. He's hysterical. He cracks me up <laughs> and uh, Fatu. I think they have, but I'm not sure, but I know he's injured. So, um, because Alex Kane actually just won their battle riot, which is actually kind of cool. Um, and if you're not familiar with Alex Kane, he was, uh, he, he was their, um, I think middleweight title, uh, which was MJF used to hold that. Yep. Um, and so it really cool dude. Um, yeah, check him out. Um, so not sure where they're going with it. Uh, cause he is injured. Um, but uh, yeah, so interesting, Matt, to see if uh, where he ends up. So, but <laughs> I, I, I think, yeah, impacts a good, a good spot for him. So, what, Tom, I just want to comment and, and say I say every name wrong ever, <laughs> and you second guess yourself on Hammerstone, Mike. <laughs> but, but then, let me just throw that out there. I say names that are uh, fucking impossible. And you're like, Hammer, Hammerstone? Is it Hammerstone? Wait, is it Smythe? Yeah, Smythe? Smith? Yeager. Right? Yeager, right? Come on, man. Oh, uh, well, anyway, Hammerstone? so. Hammerstone, right, guys? Hammerstone? <laughs> Love you, Mike. I thought it was like Hammerstein. That's why I was like, <laughs> come on, man. Like what the fuck is that? Like if MGF, MJF was a rock star, Hammerstein. I don't know, man. <sighs> Boy. So to round it out, um, I guess this isn't really, uh, I guess it's just kind of just fun discussion topic, but um, did not know this. Um, Dalton castle has been kind of popping up. A little bit um making the the interview rounds um and uh he actually almost left or i guess had was in very serious discussions with the uh, uh excuse me the wwe uh to leave ring of honor um but it, i if i he talked about it recently and i i'm trying to remember why it didn't end up working out because i know he had um a big back injury um, that, that that's ended up that, cause I remember I was like, man, he really didn't get a good run with the ROH title and it was because of his back, the damn um, which, 
It is. It sucks. And I just uh, give me more Dalton Castle. But Tom, it seems like I think this is more up your alley. But um, how close was he? Was it was it the back injury that stopped it or just what was his reasoning for, I guess, not pulling the trigger with uh, WWE? I think it was I think honestly think it was a bit uh, a couple of things. I think it definitely was the back injury and they, they kind of. Um, as negotiations were going on, I think it's, they were like eh, a bit of, bit of a liability. And I, I think if NXT wanted to write the ship that the train wreck of NXT, what it is, and I think Dalton Castle would have fit perfectly in there. But as far as like main roster, I'm, I think Dalton Castle's a smart dude and was like, mm, no, thanks. And, and on top of like what we were just talking about with, you know, um, Vince McMahon, I, you couldn't even, I, I don't even know what, what I'm trying to say here, but like my money would be, would be some sort of flamboyant, like, um, homosexual, like knockoff is what he would, he would end up being. And, and, and that's super unfortunate because, you know, you know, McMahon, he's insane. And I think that he would have approached it that way. And, and it would have just been a, the death's kiss for Dalton Castle. So like way to dodge a bullet, buddy. Like, I think, I think Tony <laughs> Khan could, could learn from this. And I think he really needs to push Dalton Castle because Dalton Castle is money. Um, he, he has the best of both worlds. He, he can wrestle. He's great on the mic and he's hilarious. He's so fun to watch. And so, yeah, I think, I think it was, it, it was part partially, it was like, thank goodness, but I'm like, thank goodness he was injured. Unfortunately he was injured kind of thing. And, and like, I think yeah. you saw the writing on the wall once McMahon was like meddling with his company again. And he was like, mm, no thanks. And I think you're going to see that a lot. I think there's a lot of people who are like, like Jordan Grace, like we talked about earlier, like I could totally see her going to the WWE when Triple H was in charge, but now no, there's no way. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, Jim, do you know anything about like uh, the Dalton Castle ROH stuff? I honestly did not. I know that he's been making the rounds on, on interviews and podcasts and stuff, but I did not, I was not aware of that. I, like you said though, thank God he didn't. Yeah. Uh, I I shudder to think of the stereotype character he would have been. I think best case scenario is that they did a complete rebrand, right? Brought him in because he is phenomenally talented. He is deceptively strong. If they rebranded, gave him a totally different gimmick, um, that would have been the best thing they could have done because yeah. if they tried to use the success that he's had and build off of what he had, they would have made it an incredibly offensive caricature. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so thank, thank God he did not <laughs> end up pulling the trigger on that deal. Yay. Good job, <laughs> Thank God. been a couple of weeks um and i boy oh boy not a lot has really jumped out at me um i don't know did any anything for you guys jump out um for match of the week or anything i guess i boy we can throw promo uh (laughs) anything (laughs) anything yeah anything please it's like it's something guys uh, i don't know what do you think i like did you guys feel the same or what do you think tom we'll start with you um, um anything you could pull for the past couple of weeks i know we we haven't chatted so i'd like to tell you about a guy named Braun breaker guys uh um, son of a bitch <laughs> dude the Braun brothers 
I'm just saying <laughs> that is money. Um, no, it, it, was it Jim? You were like, don't you dare bring that no, into this don't universe. Do don't put that out there. Don't put that out there. You never know who's going to fucking hear that. And then we're going to have to live through that hell. Yeah. Vince McMahon looking through our text messages. He's like, Bron brothers. <laughs> um, no, actually. Uh, yes. I, I pulled something out of my ass and it was Tom Lawler versus Zack Sabre Jr. At the new Japan, uh, capital collision. I believe it was. Wow. Um, wow. Fantastic match. Uh, I think Tom Lawler is insanely underrated. I was actually like, I think I was watching most of the match while we were up in Madison. And that's when I was like talking to Mike, I was like, Mike, you know, UFC, like Tom Lawler, like he's a really goofy dude. And he's like, Oh yeah, dude, he's, he's perfect for wrestling. And so, um, I was watching it and dude, Tom Lawler can hang with ZS, uh, ZSJ. Zack Sabre yep. Jr. Um, I, and I'm not really big on um, I like I like Zack Sabre Jr. I, but I'm not like big on the like super super heavy technical wrestling. But I loved it. I thought it was great. They're real technical. Um, it's just a really solid match. I, I highly implore you guys to to go check it out if you can. Um, definitely caught my eye. Worth the watch. Well, that, I, that I'm surprised. I didn't even think a match like that would be on your radar. Yeah, it was. I loved it. I thought it was great. And and uh, I'm just. I mean, part of me too is like, when are we going to see Brian Danielson and Zack Saber Jr.? God damn it! Because mm-hmm. please give that to me now. Do Do you guys know who we're going to get with Zack Saber Jr.? Oh no! Just Just I, I'll give you guys each one guess. Tom, who do you think we're going to get with Zack Saber Jr.? Well, you're being kind of goofy, so it's terrible. <laughs> um, God, Jeff Jarrett. Jim, Jim? I would I would take Daniel Garcia, but I have a feeling it's going to be somebody like Jack Swagger. I don't I don't know. Nick Gage. Oh, my God. No way. Look at me. Yeah. Look it up. No. How how do you even how does that match happen? I was like, uh, what? (laughs) Like, look it up. It, it it's just it's been announced or it's coming or something. I've seen it like three times. Was that oh my junior? God. Like, well, I've never had a pizza cutter in my mouth. I wonder what that's like. <laughs> Did Zack Saber Jr. like? Does he need better reading glasses? And he thought he was signing a match with Christian Cage. <laughs> is that is that what happened? Brian Cage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you can find, yeah, look it up. I think it's it's one of the GCW events that are coming up, and it was no way. That's going to yeah. be the weirdest fucking match in the history of professional wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I'll see if I can find it. Yeah, like it weirdly too, so. good or just just a train wreck. Yeah. So can't wait for that one. Oh wow. my god! Yeah, so that's that's. Yeah, that's I don't want to record anymore. This is crazy. <laughs> no, <laughs> I saw it. I was like, wait, that can't. I was like, that can't be real. And then I saw it again, and I was like, okay, wait, I think this has oh, some god, merit. And then, and it, I was like, oh my god, I think this is real. <laughs> and yeah, so okay, yeah, yeah. It? So on that note, Jim. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that you just like, you know, fucked my brain all the way up, uh, I <laughs> would recover here. Um, I actually, the, I think it's, it was a match from not this past week, but the week before. Uh, but it's, it's since our last recording. So I think it still counts. Uh, and that was Gringo Loco versus El Hijo del Vikingo on Ring of Honor, uh, on April 20th. Um, I like that match for a couple of reasons. Number one, it was on 420. Woot woot. 
plays it. Uh, number two, it gives me a chance to say El Hijo del Vikingo without any problems, thus causing Tom to go even further into depression. And number three, because it was just, it was just, it was a really good, like, I am so fucking blown away by El Hijo's year so far. And, and, the guy just, he just can't fucking miss, man. He just can't miss. Uh, Gringo had some really good spots in the match. I thought it was well booked. I thought it was well put together. So uh, that, that was my match of the last two weeks. Is that the one where he did the, did he do his cartwheel on top of the ropes? Yes. Oh God, dude, that blows my mind. Every time I see him do it. I, he did. How, how do you not kill yourself doing that, dude? <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think Jim, you tweeted out some of the high or uh, not tweeted, but you sent us the tweet of his highlight. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Sent us the highlights. And I think Tom, all three of us were like, I, I think I gasped out loud or lost mm-hmm. my breath. Like, and I was like, I think I remember showing Caitlin that and was like, you've got to see this. No, you've got to see this. Like it's, I love it. And the fact that it's just, I love the giddiness that it just gives around me. And it's just, it's, it's the, it's just a new style and excitement of professional wrestling in Lucha Libre that I think is really, really cool. And it's this fun word of mouth stuff. And it's, ah, I don't know. It's really cool. Well, uh, real quick, Mike, uh, round two of him and Kenny Omega, triple A. And I I text you guys that we, we have to find a way to watch this all together. Because I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Yeah, I, I didn't go yeah. to college and study media for as long as I did without finding a way to watch that goddamn match. Yeah. I, really, I, will, I will buy a satellite dish if I need to. We're going to watch that fucking match. It's going to be, and it's going to be in Mexico City, right? Like it's going to be mm-hmm. in the AAA. It's going to be in their arena. Right? Yeah. I can't. I where they. I think it's in Mexico City, right? Is the big. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. I think. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, just that, like, ah, uh, just that, ah, ah, like, oh my god, it's, <laughs> it's like the best of Japanese wrestling, and just, oh my god, American, it's the best. What was your, what was your moment of the week, Mike? Yeah, so <laughs> I just my, and I, you know, I kind of spaced on El Hijo uh, del Vikingo. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, it's not that hard, Tom. Dude, it's, it's not that hard. It is all right. Um, not that hard. <laughs> Um, my only gripe with that is, is just that I didn't see the match. It's just, it's, I don't have ring of honor yet. It's just kind of another subscription kind of thing like this. And you still got to dig for it. And it's just, nah, you know, I'm not saying it's not worth my time. It's just, it wasn't at this point in my age, I just need something readily available. Um, and whatnot. So I kind of tend to stick to the, to the big ones. You fucking Um, cranks. I know. I know. Get off my lawn. <laughs> Give me wrestling every day. <laughs> um, no, I I begrudgingly tried to watch or I no, I didn't. I did begrudgingly watch Raw. It was terrible. Um, and even AEW there was just nothing. I wanted Bandito versus Orange Cassidy to be better um and whatnot. So I'm just going to pick a couple moments of the past week I thought were were fun. Um, the first one being, um, I can't believe I'm going to say this, is the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and the BCC, uh, which ultimately has uh, uh, Takeshita come in. Uh, I, it was fun. It was a fun, silly segment where... You know the, the 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 bad guys are beating up on the good guys, and the the Weasley Don Callis played the like like it was great. I was laughing my ass off, and it was just 
the Bucks paired up with uh, Yuta and Claudio was great, and just leaving Omega and Moxley to go. It was fun. Um, and then Takeshita comes in, and you know they're like jaw jacking, and man, that guy does a thunderous blue thunder bomb. I like I could watch that. I could watch that guy run the ropes all day and do that goddamn blue thunder bomb. He just the way, and and it's Wheeler Yuta too, so it didn't you know um, didn't hurt that as a smaller guy that you know getting spun around. Um, but I'd say my other moment, um, which I, I was, uh, I had to play a little bit of catch up. Uh, I saw you guys, you know, oh shit. And you know, all the, you know, holy shit, fuck yes. And all that fun stuff. I'm like, oh no. And I'm like, is this, is this a joke? And I'm like, I, I talked myself up and actually thought it might've been Goldberg. And I was like, no, there's no way. There's no what? way. Oh, man. We would have. I, I would know. not have been excitedly. I would not have been the reaction we would have given. No. But I know. But it's just, I, I just was just, like I said, I talked myself up, had watched it. And um, uh, what I'm talking about, of course, is the return of Roderick Strong, um, which I would say really caught all three of us off guard. Um, I was, yeah. I didn't know. Um, that he, uh, so I guess this is, yes, this is my moment, uh, part match of the week, whatever you want to call it. Uh, cause I found out that he actually got released uh, or no, he didn't get released. He, his contract expired. It was very <laughs> quiet and they don't announce when their contracts expire. And Roddy was like, played it beautifully. Um, started, I guess, communicating, got, got healed up, got better, started talking with AEW and why I, you know, Hey, if I'm coming back, it's going to be in Florida where I live. Uh, no one's going to know I'm there. They hit him and everything like that. So it was a big like, oh, sh- oh, shit. Like, that was a lot of fun. Uh, he even made the rounds on the metal scene. Uh, <laughs> he uh, There's a, a magazine Tom and I follow called The Pit. And they were like, local wrestler. Our wrestler comes out with uh, End of Heartache by Killswitch Engage. And it was fun. So it was just a fun little moment. And I hope he doesn't get lost in the shuffle. I'm not sure. I think that might be more uh, uh, for us to talk about. But uh, guys, what were your initial thoughts on? Obviously, you're big Roderick Strong fans, but uh, what are your thoughts on him coming back or coming back to and, and showing up in AEW? I fucking lost it. I I absolutely yeah. I geeked the fuck out. Yeah. Like I said, you know, like you said, I I immediately texted, "Holy fucking shit! Holy fucking shit!" And it, and I knew you were behind, so I didn't want to spoil it. So all I could do was express my joy in the vaguest <laughs> terms possible. But I I I, you know, I I mentioned to this to you guys in our text text thread too that you know, uh, last week Adam Cole created a little bit of a stir on Twitter when he just randomly tweeted out an old photo of him and Kyle O'Reilly and said, you know, like I miss my friend and blah blah blah. A bunch of people were like, did did Kyle O'Reilly die? Like, is everything okay? Uh, Adam Cole had to send a clarification. He's like, he's fine. I just you know just was feeling sentimental, and it's it was funny in retrospect. It's funny because it's he probably knew. Uh, you know, Roddy was coming in and, you know, I, I'm just can't wait to see Kyle O'Reilly, Roddy and, and Adam Cole together, uh, literally murder people in the Jericho appreciation society. Uh, it's, it's going to be a good day. So what do you think real quick, Tom? I know you're a big Roderick Strong fan, but I think this just begs the question. I think I I brought it up and I didn't get a, you know, response from you. 
so maybe we can talk about this after Tom's initial reaction for Rodra coming in. But like, what does this mean for, is this a reversion of the undisputed era? Is Bobby Fish going to come back? <laughs> like, do, do they do this where it's just these three, like you said, Jim, I agree. These kind of PWG kind of killers, uh, you know, and cause it, they can all be bad. And Roddy is a phenomenal heel. Uh, so anyway, yeah, just kind of speculating. I don't know. Again, so Tom, we'll start with, you know, Roddy, you know, coming back. I I love Roger Strong. He is honestly probably top 10 wrestlers of all time for me. I've always said the biggest mistake WWE has made was not giving him the IC belt and letting him just tear, tear it up. Kind of like what... Uh, uh, Gunther is doing right now, but um, when to go back to what we were talking about earlier, because I knew we were going to talk about the return of Roderick Strong. That is the guy if you want to fix your TNT title problem, put it on him and keep it on him for as long as you possibly can, because that dude is a workhorse. He's amazing. He can he can work with anybody. Yes, he's a little rusty on the mic, um, but give him a mouthpiece and he's he's gold. I I, I love Roger Strong. I I. I I was like maybe 30 minutes behind Jim and I was like, no fucking way. I can't believe he's back. I'm so glad he's back. I'm, um, yeah. I also heard too, Mike, that um, he he was injured and um, when he was healing up, WWE was basically was like, we have nothing for you. And we kind of really don't not want you here, but like, uh, we're, you know, we're going to let your contract expire and not like do what they normally do. And like, you know, people are injured, they extend it and stuff like that. So I'm happy. And to, to answer your question about the undisputed, uh, yeah, I think that they could do it. I, I hope they don't bring Bobby fish back, but I could see Kylo, Kylo Riley kind of pushing for it because of red dragon and stuff. But, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy with just the three of them quite honestly. Yeah. And, and yes, I want to see them destroy how dude, how, Amazing was it when Roger Strong just like threw around Jack Swagger. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, I was so excited. And two, you you could easily throw somebody else in there, and and could you imagine the feud between them and the BCC? Oh my god, that it, him and Roger Strong and, and Brian Danielsi. Oh my god, <laughs> there it is. That guy. It's, there it's, he is. it's not. An episode of Three Sweet Me, bro. If I don't get somebody's name awfully wrong, <laughs> just horribly butchered. Brian Danielson uh, th- to relive his his uh, the like the Ring of Honor days because they teased it once at that that stupid Great Royal Rumble, which was you know whatever. But like to let those two dudes go, oh, all day long, man. I could, mm-hmm. uh, I'll love it. I can't wait. Well, first and foremost. There is no circumstance whatsoever in which Bobby Fish comes back to AEW. Let's just let's just get that out of the why, way right why? now. Why do you think that? He he pissed everyone off. When oh. he, was there. he was such a twat waffle while he was there and tried to big league people and not to mention the guy's like fragile as fuck, right? Like his entire NXT career was injury prone and he still hasn't gotten better. Plus he's getting older and older and older. You don't need Bobby fish. AEW doesn't want Bobby fish. So let's, let's get that out of the way. Secondly, what I'm most excited about with Roderick coming in is that Roderick strong for me has always been Dean Malenko 2.0. Yes. Yeah. Dean Malenko is a producer and a coach at AEW. Roderick Strong is going to get to work with directly 
Dean Malenko. I want, I would, it's my baby girl's ninth birthday today. I will hand her over to you to let me hang out in a room with Dean Malenko and Roderick Strong talking about ring psychology and talking about technical wrestling. I just, that's a, that's a fucking dream team. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, th- I think there's a lot of good things for Roderick, both on screen and behind the scenes there. He's with his wife, Marina Shafir. They're in the same company. That's going to be good for him. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's fan fucking tastic pickup to get Roddy. Yeah. And I think like Jim, you just said it right there is like if, if AEW kind of wants to, to compete with with WWE doing these, you know, behind the scenes things or divas and whatnot is what a story is. Brit and Adam and Roddy and Marina and Mm -hmm. it spills over and it's like I said, Roddy can be a nasty heel and it seems like they're really going to push Brit and Adam right now is kind of more of the baby face. And I could see a Roddy turn and to build, help build the story uh, and whatnot. But I just great pickup. It's just, it's to the moon. Um, And it's, I think it's going to be another kind of sad, like, oh man, you know, loss for the WWE because they just they they again another one dropped the ball um you know really quick to to kind of end this uh before we toss it over to Jim I it just kind of funny um uh I don't know if you saw um Road Dog has been uh he <laughs> said something about um uh <laughs> that's the punchline right there Road Dog <laughs> spoke that's the punchline it was he Jim's, said, it was Jim's little laugh that he did that's <laughs> no um one have you have you seen him he's a uh, sweet tooth in the new uh twisted metal series Road Dog is no, no Samoa Joe oh. Samoa Joe is. <laughs> so um, Road Dog said he was like he was like not not like an exclusive, but Road Dog was like they he one hundred percent agrees they left money on the table with Joe. Um, and I was like, no fucking shit, like that. Mm-hmm. I I think both of you guys have always pined for like a Brock Lesnar, Samoa Joe. Well, they had that really brief at a like subpar pay per view. They had that really brief story. They could have built that up oh, so dude. fucking well. Joe was like in his element too. When he was like, he was telling Brock Lesnar to like look at him. You're like, yep. is this? Are they shooting right now? Because this, yep. I want to leave the ring. I don't even. Samoa, Samoa Joe is the only person in the entirety of professional wrestling I've ever could even conceive of looking at Brock Lesnar and saying, "Look at me when I'm talking to you, boy." And <laughs> yeah. like, you feel like that's like, oh my god! Like it's like, like think about could any other wrestler say that to Brock Lesnar no. and not be an entire fucking joke? Nope. But Samoa Joe says it, and you're like, oh fuck! <laughs> Dude, he was like, he was, and you could tell like Brock was totally into it too, which is great because man, they could have, they could have just. When, oh, when, he, when he came out i i will admit i started watching a little bit again when he came up from behind brock and choked him out and was like yeah. screaming at him on the stage and i was like holy shit like mm-hmm. and brock's like doing his like he's like going limp and i was like well played and it was mm-hmm. it was Good kind job. of fun and oh, they just, man. yeah but no yeah so he just i just i don't know and it was i don't know I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> you just, you just, you just declared Road Dog broke news, and he was in. <laughs> I don't know how we got here, but here we are, guys.
So I think one of the the many things that we have in common uh, on this podcast is that we have a firm appreciation and respect for tag team wrestling. Uh, and that's something that's a, it's a bit of a dying art. It's, it's finding a resurgence in certain feds right now, but, uh, tag team wrestling is kind of the unsung hero of professional wrestling. And I think the three of us all agree that, uh, there's a certain beauty to it. And, and it's one of the things that we kind of, I think all bond over is how great tag team wrestling is. And so for our spotlight this week, I chose to do a spotlight on uh, a man that I think is probably one of the greatest tag team wrestlers of all time, uh, and kind of an unsung hero of the unsung heroes of professional wrestling. Uh, and that is Mr. Beautiful Bobby Eaton. Uh, Bobby Eaton uh, was born in Alabama and was a fan of the, the professional wrestling world from a very young age and grew up knowing this is what he wanted to do. Um, Bobby Eaton by all was when all was said and done in his career, sadly we lost Bobby a couple years ago. He passed away two years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, but it just some tidbits I pulled up rather than do like a chronological biography of of Bobby. I thought I'd just kind of look at some major things about his his career. First and foremost, like I said, he he's by far considered uh, to be one of the best tag wrestlers of all time. Uh, I, I think across the board, people respect him. Uh, Mick Foley said that he was one of the nicest and most underrated performers in the history of the the business. William Regal said he had, he quote, had an incredible precision to everything that he did. Uh, and Steve Austin said that working with Bobby Eaton was like having quote, a night off because of how easy it was and how safe you knew you were going to be. Uh, and that's high fucking praise. When someone like William Regal says you're, you are precise in everything that you do. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's, that's some, that's some major, major, major praise there. Uh, I, I think a lot of people have forgotten Bobby Eaton and it's unfortunate because he was, he was a really technically gifted wrestler. Uh, one of the first top rope finishers I remember seeing as a kid was his Alabama jam. Uh, I think it was especially special to me because Bobby Eaton didn't look like a high flyer. Uh, Bobby Eaton was not what you would call a body guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, no. Uh, no, he was not. No, he was not. And he would fly off that top rope. And and he, think about it. Think about how few people do a top rope leg drop because of the precision you have to have. And not only making sure you don't hurt your opponent, but don't hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a very small window there when you're doing like a, a, a flying cross body or a big splash uh, or even a 450. Right. You can be off a little bit and you'll still be okay. A flying leg drop is you have to be on it. And the fact that Bobby Eaton was so good, he could use it, match in and match out. And he never hurt anyone. He was able to keep himself going and not hurt his opponent. His opponent really speaks to what Regal was saying, right? Just incredible precision and everything that he did. Uh, As I said, Bobby Eaton was known as a a tag team specialist. He had a solo run a couple times in his career, but he's primarily known as a tag specialist. So I thought this would be an interesting look at some of the partners that he's teamed with over his career. Uh, he teamed with Leapin' Lanny Poffo, the genius. Yeah. WWF. brother of the macho man randy savage he teamed with a wrestler by the name of sweet brown sugar now this was in the south uh this was pro wrestling in the south so obviously sweet brown sugar 
was a person of color. Uh, but Sweet Brown Sugar would later go on to perform in the WWF under the name Coco Beware. Whoa. Yeah, so right. very early in their careers, Bobby Whoa, Eaton and awesome. Coco Beware were tag team partners. Yeah, uh, he partnered with Arn Anderson, while a member of the Heenan family in W, or excuse me, the uh, the, the the Dangerous Alliance in WCW. Nice. He teamed with a wrestler named Rambo. Not that one, not the Sylvester Stallone oh, character, man. but in the tr- yeah, in the tradition of Japanese wrestling, right, stealing an American movie character and using that as a gimmick. Uh, he he tagged with Mike Enos, who was Blake Beverly in the WWF, WWF team with Johnny B. Bad, Mark Marrow. Uh, nice. Very early in Chris Benoit's tenure in WCW, he was a tag team partner with Bobby Eaton. I so Bobby Eaton and Chris that. Benoit were kind of the gatekeepers of the tag team division for for quite a while in WCW. Oh, no way. Yeah, I yeah. do. I do. Wow. That. This was old school mullet. This was right off of New Japan, right? So when Chris yeah. Benoit first came into the company, wow. uh, he partnered with Bobby Eaton. That's great. I, was I think he was all. still wearing the, the telltale sign, as Jim always told me to look for. He usually uh, was still wearing his Pegasus Kid trunks. Yep. And exactly. like that's when you know it was like that's early because he still had yet no to kidding. get you know, kind of more Americanized trunks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yep. crazy. He it shows up. He wrestled at the Eddie Guerrero match. He's one yes, of the he Pegasus kids. Yep. Pegasus kid. Yeah. Uh so he also he he tagged with Sabu in an ECW match. No way. Uh Bobby okay. Eaton and Sabu defeated Arn Anderson and Terry Funk in, in an ECW tag team match. When was that? I, yeah, I was gonna- this was early ECW. This was early. Wow. This was, was this Eastern Championship Wrestling or ECW? No, this was after it had become Extreme Championship Wrestling, but it was very early on. Yeah, Dude. What? yeah look that one up. I don't blow your goddamn right. What? Talk about a weird mix. Uh, he tagged with Dennis Condry and Stan Lane, were two of his most famous tag team partners in the Midnight Express. Absolutely. And of course, I think what a lot of people fondly remember Bobby Eaton for is tagging with Lord Steven Regal and WCW as the blue bloods when he was Earl Robert Eaton uh, and uh, renamed Alabama jam to the uh, tower of London. Uh, So Nigel McGuinness owes him some copyright uh, uh, fines. Mm -hmm. Uh, During his career, he also stood across the ring from some of the very best legends of the business had feuds with the fabulous Freebirds. The Road Warriors. Uh, in fact, probably his most famous match was a scaffold match in 1986 against the Road Warriors, where uh, Jim Cornette got thrown off of the scaffolding, uh, which is why it's my highlighted uh, career yeah. match. Yeah. <laughs> a personal favorite. Because Jim favorite. Cornette almost died. So that's always a good thing. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express, obviously. The Midnight Express and Rock and Roll Express had a very famous feud. Oh, yeah. The Fabulous Ones, the Moondogs, Magnum T.A., who I think is absolutely worthy of spotlight at some point, oh, given yeah. how brilliant he was. Yep. Uh, oh. The Fantastics, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Uh, he actually won the titles off of Arn and Tully. Uh, the Dynamic Dudes, who were made up of Shane Douglas and Johnny uh, Laurinaitis, Johnny Ace, hey, whoa, uh, the whoa, Steiner whoa, Brothers. Like Shane Douglas yeah. tagged with Johnny Ace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Dynamic Dudes, they were skateboarding bros with blonde mullets. Yeah. Dun-dun-dun. Wow. You didn't? Yeah, no, you didn't know that. This is, I'm enjoying this very much. This is crazy, <laughs> dude. I didn't know any of this. And also, a hell of an like, oh, yeah. the, the name of tag teams. I know. Such, They've come along. So great. The dynamic dudes. 
Well, the Fantastics. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's uh, uh, the Steiner brothers. Uh, right. He he actually he had a world title match against Ric Flair uh, during one of his singles runs. Bobby Eaton was the TV champion and he had a, a, a match at Clash of the Champions headline match wow. against Ric Flair for the world title. I can uh, see that. Wrestled Steve Austin, lost the TV title to Steve Austin. Uh, he fought Ricky Steamboat and Dustin Rhodes in tag matches. Uh, during his time in Japan, he wrestled Keiji Muto, uh, Masa Saido, Riki Choshu, Masahiro Chono, Hiroyoshi Tenzan. Uh, also came back to WCW and had a feud with the Nasty Boys in Harlem Heat. What? Uh, you know, these are legends of the tag team history right that we're going through here and all of them had to go through bobby eaton uh and and i would argue all of them made better by wrestling bobby Eaton. so i uh, just want to shout that out the thing i the, the reason that i really gravitate towards bobby eaton i think personally is because not only was he a phenomenal workhorse and underrated talent but every account i've ever heard um you know if you if you read you know, you remember in the late nineties, early two thousands, every wrestler and their mother came out with an autobiography and it's amazing how many of them talk about Bobby Eaton and all of them agree. He was one of, he was just an absolute sweetheart of a man and just a wonderful person. One of the nicest people to ever work in this industry. Um, Steve Austin, uh, or Sean Waltman and Steve Austin both confirmed that, uh, he used to travel with an extra suitcase just filled, filled with toiletries in case the other guys forgot them. Oh, dude. So yeah. he would travel with like an extra bag of free stuff to give out to guys in the locker room if they forgot their toothbrush or their deodorant or, you know, something like that. Um, I, I think, you know, one of the best stories I've heard about Bobby Eaton is that Bobby was, uh, married. Uh, he was got married in, I believe, 1981 to a woman named Donna Dundee, who was the daughter of Bill Dundee, superstar oh Bill boy. Dundee. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, he was married to her until her passing uh, of breast cancer and was, by all accounts, a fiercely devoted husband uh, and a wonderful father to their four children. And I think that's, you know, you, you hear about some of the legends of that time and we come to find out that they were real pieces of shit. Oh, yeah. uh, there was a lot of drug addiction problems, a lot of drinking problems, a lot of womanizing issues. And then there's this guy like Bobby Eaton, who was just an absolute wonderful human being and a great talent who was just never really given the credit he deserves by the mass public. Uh, and so while we don't have the largest platform in the world, I feel like it's my responsibility to try and give him more of a platform because Bobby Eaton was a phenomenal professional wrestler and by all accounts, an even better person. Uh, and I think if nothing else, he's worthy of, of our spotlight and worthy of the time that we can offer. Hell yeah, man. That was, that's, I had no idea about. That was a, a love letter to Bobby Eaton. I had no idea about any of those. Like some of the, like you, yeah. the Sabu one kind of blows my mind. To be honest. Um, is he the one, uh, no, correct, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, which you guys will do. Um, is he the one where they, they like, it's that it's like a famous clip of them, like lifting a guy up and he like slams him down on the mat. Those are the Beverly brothers. Oh, okay. Cause I mean, yeah. well, one Bobby. Was, man, they, they all blur together in the eighties, you know? <laughs> 
Okay, cool. Cause, wait, was he okay, was Bobby Eaton the guy who did uh, he like would leap out of the ring? Like he was he was wrestling with one, two, three kid and he did it, right? No, Bobby Eaton, his his Alabama jam was a top rope leg drop. Um he if you've you know, like the Midnight Express was Bobby Eaton and and Dennis Condry. And then when Dennis Condry left the territory, it became Stan Lane, who is not the father of Lauren Boebert, it turns out. Uh, and (laughs) Bobby Eaton, the thing is, is when they nicknamed him beautiful Bobby, I always laughed my ass off because I'm not exactly, you know, Hugh Jackman, but, for fuck's sake, nobody's going to call Bobby Eaton beautiful. <laughs> He's, he was, he looked like he was from Alabama. Let's put oh, yeah. it that way. Um, but yeah, Bobby Eaton, like I said, he had a, he had a really good run in WCW for a bit, uh, but he was primarily kind of a, a you know, Smoky Mountain, Mid-South, uh, you know, territory guy. Um, yeah, mid-card. Most, yeah, he, he did work as a trainer in WWE for a little bit. Uh, he works some of their developmental territories, but he was primarily a WCW and a territories guy. Yeah, I was going to say my biggest, it was uh, the Blue Bloods is yep. that's what I remembered him from and just Regal teaching him the finer things. And it was just, God damn, it was hysterical. And he put it's everything brilliant. he had into both of them did. And it was great. And it was, uh, it was good, good fun mid card shenanigans. I always I always appreciate when you hear like the the good the good stories of of, of like decent human being wrestlers like I know you you've brought him up uh, in previous podcasts like Rick Rude how he was like a just a super nice dude devoted family guy never cheated on his wife and and you know I always love hearing you know those are the the best stories to hear because like you always hear about just like cutting your teeth in the business and it's just super cutthroat and it's just like at the end of the day too it's like well you also have to look out for one another. And it's always, it's always just nice to hear, you know, guys who are actually decent to one another on the road. And I'm surprised that dude's never broken his tailbone. Well, that's the thing is to, to be able to hit that move over and over and over again. I mean, just look, just watching him hit that makes my spine compress, you know, like and you think about like Hulk Hogan did a really shitty running leg drop and has horrible spinal issues because of it. Right. He's, he's had spinal fusion surgeries and all these problems, hip problems. Bobby Eaton did a better leg drop from the top rope and didn't have those same issues. And it's because Bobby Eaton knew what he was fucking doing. You know, Hulk Hogan is a hack. What are you talking about, brother? Uh, you know, <laughs> brother? Well, I think I think it was Vern Gagne said in an interview once. He said, "You know, my grandmother could throw a better leg drop than Hulk Hogan." You know, <laughs> all crazy Vern the, Gagne. And it's great because not only did he not hurt himself, but he didn't hurt his opponent. Right. Again, think about think about the game of millimeters you're playing there, where you overshoot, you land ass first on their face. Yep. You undershoot, you're coming with your oh. heel across their face. The fact that he could hit the crook of his knee in the right spot over and over and over again. Yeah. Just fucking amazing. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought he didn't he uh, switch to a diving knee at one point too. I swear it, but I thought that was mm-hmm. Bobby Eaton or maybe it was just something he did 
in his yeah, it was one of his one of his signature moves. But yeah, okay, yeah, Yeah, because I was gonna call it that. I was like, yeah, it's the Alabama Slam Jam, and I'm like, no, that's not right. I'm like, that sounds insane. So yeah, I'm I'm actually watching a clip of his of his moves, and like, I I'll be honest, Jim, I don't really know too much about him. I I know a few things here and there, of course, the tag team and Jim Cornette, the famous you know Road Warriors, were. I think Jim Cornette like separated his shoulder and. um, like, no, he blew up both his knees. It's oh, that's right. He blew up both his knees. You can hear him screaming and shit. Yeah, because he was like yelling for Bubba, uh, Big Bubba, to come catch him. And Big Bubba was like, huh? And, like, <laughs> like, fucking missed him by a mile. It was hysterical. He, uh, so, like, he actually has some pretty, like, ahead of his time kind of moves. Like, the springboard backbreaker. Like, he was, when he teamed with Coco Beware or Sweet Brown Sugar, uh, they were. <laughs> They were actually billed as like the future of pro wrestling because they were both, you know, high flyers. Now, high flyer for the early 80s, obviously, is different than today. But, um, yeah, he, he definitely was was pioneering a lot of stuff. Well, shit, he did an Olympic slam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, should, I don't know if I should be watching as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's like he was like Chris Canyon before Chris Canyon. Not that, you know. I mean, as far as like innovation and moves and stuff. Oh yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. You got to go back and go, yeah. Go back and watch some of the blue blood stuff. I mean, it's a little bit comedy, but like it's, you're going to get good wrestling because it's regal, especially Mm -hmm. like some of the Saturday night main event stuff. That's Mm -hmm. that, that was, they shine there. Do you know how terrifying it must be to take a backdrop from the top rope and not hurt somebody? (laughs) Like, I, I know what I'm doing when I leave tonight. I know like his his run with the Dangerous Alliance was fucking beautiful. I, I think the Dangerous Alliance is one of the most underrated factions oh, in wrestling history. Right. You had Arn, you had Bobby Eaton, you had Steve Austin, you had Rick Rude, you had Larry Zabisk. You had some great fucking talent in there. And yeah, if you can watch some of uh he he that's where he partnered with Arn Anderson. Arn and, and uh, uh, Bobby became kind of the tag team of the Dangerous Alliance um, and held the belts. They actually held the WCW titles for a minute. Wow. Um, watch some of his stuff from that is, is a good good primer on Bobby Eaton as well. Definitely. That'll wrap it up for this episode, but come back next time for more news, analysis, and of course, Spotlighted Wrestler of the Week. Big thanks for giving us a listen and a super thanks for subscribing to this podcast so you can have our dulcet tones delivered right to you each week. Feel free to leave us some feedback on your podcast delivery platform of choice. On behalf of Mike and Tom, I am Jim and we are out. Out.